Episode 57 of the Coys R Us podcast. The whole crew is here representing various cities throughout the United States. And our first episode this season after a loss. Well, not technically. We did have that Fulham match, the, the game that we've all since forgotten about. But our first Premier League loss, uh, Spurs lose at home. Spurs won Chelsea four after losing two men two defenders, and also losing a couple guys to injury. So there's obviously a lot to break down. Before we even start with the breakdown, because I know you guys have plenty to say, but I just got to get this off my chest. First of all, because I know after losing by three goals, me predicting us winning by three goals is going to look like a terrible prediction. However, I'm just going to start off by saying, if that sunny goal gets allowed, we're up. 2-0, 15 minutes into the game. And when it was 11v11, we were completely bossing them. I know that between the three of you, not so much the three of you, but also some of my friends at DC Spurs were saying that I was overconfident, that I was not taking Chelsea into account, and this is a derby, and these games are always crazy. And this game proved to be very crazy. However... If I were to go back and do it all over again, I would make the same prediction because they could not hold a candle to us when it was 11 v 11, and we would have won that game 3-0. So with that said, how you guys doing? <laughs> yeah, I mean, I'm not far off from you. When when that second sunny goal went in, I was just like, we're winning the league. Like, this is it. Like, this is, this is, it's been nice. It's been a nice run, Man City. But I didn't even now. go that far. I didn't I, even go that far. I mean, I'm just, just saying, we would have smashed them. Yeah, I was just like, was on the wall. All right, there's yeah. nothing that's, that's going to stop us. This team is, is team of destiny stuff. Just like, yeah. So, um, you know, obviously then the next, the next little bit we'll, we'll get into that was, that went, went awfully. But yeah, I was, I was absolutely confident. Um, and I mean, though, though they did before it went down to, to 10, there was a lot of back and forth. So I feel like my three, two Spurs win prediction also would have, would have held a flame. Cause it was just semi seemingly like kind of back and forth. They had two goals <laughs> pulled back before while well, it was still 11 v 11, I believe. Yeah. Um, this match had, I think five disallowed goals in addition to a number of, of VAR reviews, which is obviously going to be a major talking point from this game. Sonny had a goal disallowed. Dyer had a goal disallowed. Raheem Sterling, Moises Caicedo, and somebody else from Chelsea also had a goal disallowed. So it was there. There could have been ten goals scored. There was only five goals allowed, but there were another five that were not. So I'll also say though that you know they didn't start scoring goals until after we had a man sent off. So, again, 11 v 11, I still think we would have smashed them, and I I don't think they would have been able to score against us. Um, I, I, I think my prediction was probably the most right one if things have gone right. But, uh, no, um, <laughs> yeah, I mean, that was the the – the variest game we've ever seen. And and I think that most of the decisions probably were correct in the end, but man, that can you imagine being at that game? How just <laughs> terrible that would have been that experience of just not having any idea what's going on for well, yeah, minutes at a time. And it's funny I that you mentioned that, that because 56 minutes of total clock runtime in the first half, but only like 23 minutes of ball in play. Well, yeah. yeah, I mean, I, I was I was actually reading an article this morning, this this uh, first person editorial that somebody wrote who was at the match. And she was basically talking about how much the VAR has kind of ruined the game going experience, because when you're in the grounds, you don't actually know what's going on. So you're actually especially a game like the one that we just had with Chelsea, where there's VAR review after VAR review. 21 total minutes of stoppage time added, which is insane. They added clocks to the stadium now, at least so that the fans can see the extra time, right? Or they yes, yeah, I am starting to see that now because when I was in when I was in England, even you know, three years ago, I don't remember them showing like it would just say 90, and then there would be no clock, so you just kind of say 90 plus four and kind of have to do the math on your own. 
Um, so like, yeah, they're showing that, but the VAR view stuff that we're seeing at home, they're not seeing. Right. And so she was kind of making the point of like, if you're going to the grounds and you're a, a match going fan, you're actually less aware of what's happening than the people who are sat at home. Um, she said that they showed the replay of the Romero red card, but all the other reviews throughout the night were not shown on the big screen. So you're just you're just sitting around for five minutes and then you see a call get made, but no context as to why or how it was made. That's where they should take a hint from. Uh, I mean, I think I said this a while ago now, but like how rugby you hear that the the referees are mic'd up and you can actually hear their conversations when they're trying to figure out, you know, what to uh, award a, a yellow versus red card or whatever else, or at least the NFL where they get out there and explain their uh, reasoning. Whereas you get nothing. There's just silence for however long. And then, um, you know, the, some, some, gestures from the from the ref and you really don't know what the decision making process is like at all well i mean this is probably a good place to start because this is going to be the majority of of, of what people are going to take away from this game var does seem to be coming up more and more every time it feels like it's made progress in one area or things that we're seeing from three seasons ago aren't necessarily the same things we're complaining about now um, there seems to be more new things that are creating a fuss, whether it's, you know, Liverpool complaining about the game against us. Um, Mikel Arteta went on a whole rant uh, regarding the match that they lost to Newcastle. Um, and then obviously the super VAR heavy game that we had against Chelsea. I'm looking at, <laughs> there's a summary of like all of the games that we've had with uh, the NBC highlights next to them. And most of the highlights are, you know, nine minutes, 10 minutes, 11 minutes. The, uh, <laughs> the Tottenham Chelsea match is a 19 minute highlight, <laughs> which I imagine half of which is just VAR reviews. So it was the strangest game I can remember seeing ever, like just the way it played out. I mean, it was so bizarre. I mean, Kim, what, is your takeaway on VAR just Nia not even thinking about the result, but just like it does feel like VAR is affecting the game more and more. I imagine from the refs perspective, they're also probably like dreading some of these big, big matches with the big six clubs because they know that there's going to be more scrutiny um, as a, as a fan watching the game, how much has VAR kind of affected just the entertainment value? I mean, it definitely makes the game less interesting the more you stop. And Pastacoglu has said this, like he wants his teams to play fast, to get the ball in quickly, to move the ball quickly. And the more that we stop the game for, and some of the stuff yesterday, I was like, we could all tell it was offsides. Like we could see that before we got to the point where you had to go look at the monitor, like it got, it's now at the point where it seems like the refs are so scared to just make a call on the field or the linesman will make a call. Everyone will be like, oh, that's correct. And then we spend another two or three minutes looking at it, drawing the lines. And we're like, but it was offsides, like like Eric Dyer's goal. I don't think anyone who saw that in real time thought that was not offsides. So why do we spend three or four minutes looking at it? I, and then we add those three or four minutes at the end of the game. And I guess now games are games are going to get longer and longer because of that. But it does. One, I feel bad for the players. And I'm like, they're now playing 110 minute games, like on a regular basis, it seems like. And we also don't seem to be get, getting anywhere with how quickly they go through things. So it seems like things are, things are just now taking longer and longer. Routine things seem to take longer and longer. And I just don't understand it. Um, you know, I I was not against VAR coming in. I know some people from the beginning were against VAR. I'm more against the application of VAR, not so much what it does. Um, and I think part of the reason the folks are dreading, I mean, like referees are dreading um, doing these large matches is it seems like the big six, six clubs make more of a fuss about being aggrieved about what VAR does to them. Like, I think Wolves have had like three or four VAR calls that have went against them. And I don't see their manager one, their manager might've said something after the game, but I don't see it being clipped up on every single like YouTube page. I don't see, I don't see wolves making a statement. It seems like, like I said, we've seen like two statements from two teams and they've been Liverpool and Arsenal teams that I guess are going for the title. So feel like, you know, these points mean more to them, but 
those points don't mean more to them than they do to Wolves. They don't mean more to them than they do to Luton. So why is it that these managers feel, you know, getting in the media, talking down the refs? And I'm not saying the refs are perfect, but they make mistakes in the same way players make mistakes on the field, the way managers make mis mistakes in, in how they set up their teams. But the refs are being like killed. I think the and, hope is that, right, you're, you're a big time manager. Refs are people like we've talked about. So are the players and coaches. You know, freaking guys got to read in the paper. You know, Anthony Taylor makes bonehead decision or whatever. Like that's not fun. You probably like got gaming you know, the refs, basically. Yeah, there's there's jerk offs on the street that are yelling things at them. So it's like the guy's like, well, man, I'm gonna give the the, the hope from these top managers is well, then they're gonna give me the benefit of the doubt next time because they'll know I'll make their freaking night their life a nightmare for two weeks until people you know until the next mistake. But maybe the referees are banding together or or just are like. Oh, cool. I'm that's not going to change me, or or now I'm going to make sure to take an extra look at your guys, um, or I'm going to listen to you less because you just, you know, you got people cussing at my kids at school because of the white the, the stuff that some of these managers are doing. So, was thrilled with Big Ange jumping in and just being like, I might, I swear, no, I used to be afraid of referees when I was young. We just let referees do their jobs. Oh, I didn't know we That's were so gonna bad. get. Uh, I, I didn't know, know we were getting that. That wasn't terrible. I got it. That wasn't I got terrible. It. You know, it's deep in the back. The Aussie accent. <laughs> Nice. Um, yeah, no, Steve he, was, he was practicing that. He was, <laughs> he was ready All for right, tonight. Man. Yeah. No, uh, I, uh, you just, you said exactly what I was just going to say is I was actually, as much as, you know, I think that there's some truth in them gaming the referees a little bit. And, you know, that probably does have an impact. Um, I, I appreciated that Ange was not moaning about the call so much as what we were just talking about is the, the delays from the bar um you know uh decisions just take so long <laughs> like I, I don't see how this hasn't gotten better it's it's gotten worse if anything they're doing now like multi-phased bars all the time at least that that was happening in our game and that's what happened in the uh the arsenal game as well where they're checking like three or four different things in a sequence and i mean the romero red card probably only well i, I shouldn't say that. it might have gotten called either way but it was initially you know reviewed because of a different review <laughs> they were reviewing the offside call and that almost like brought more attention to that um yeah i wish that they could at least with the offsides automate that stuff so that we're not waiting for minutes when everybody can see that you know it was obviously offside um and also i i think that i read that this that this was when Ange got his yellow card the the refs not putting the offside flag up for obvious offside are like causing like kind of, you know, sometimes reckless situations to happen injury wise. Uh, it's, 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 it's frustrating. And, and the other thing, uh, I think Kimmy was kind of mentioning this a little bit, but it's, it's making it so that refs are basically not making hard decisions and they're waiting to like, I mean, at that point, do you even need to have a ref on the field? Like maybe just have far ref the entire game. I mean, look, it's, it, it, it seems like it's just swung to such a, a, a crazy degree of of um minutia. Yeah. Yeah. That that it's just yeah, it's 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 terrible to watch. Not not good television. It also uh, it felt yesterday like some like Arsenal or Chelsea fan basically wrote up what was gonna happen to make it the most terrible possible game for Spurs. I mean, because a, a lot of what came out was positive, but man, losing Van Event is that that one's gonna hurt losing both our center backs for at least three games if not i mean that van event injury looked pretty bad i i don't know what the timetable is if he actually like tore his hamstring um but well man. you talked about the, the the romero red um which which i do want to talk about and there's there were so many vars uh here so that i could just run through them really quickly the first one was in the 14th minute as i said sonny's goal gets disallowed for offside that was a close call I guess he was offside but it was marginal that's a call that probably does not get pulled back without VAR um and I I mean this is I don't want to continue to beat this drum because I've I've already probably said this seven times on this podcast but if you got a toe in front of the other guy I don't know that that creates enough of an advantage that actually points to the purpose of offside right yeah. like the whole idea of an offensive player getting an advantage on a defender 
to me is not proven true by a shoulder or a toe being marginally ahead of the defender. And so like, I understand why that goal was disallowed, but for me, that was kind of nonsense. And at that point I'm thinking, all right, well, whatever, we'll get another one soon enough. Four minutes later, we get a VAR review for a possible red card um, for Udogi jumping in with both feet to um, tackle a ball away from Raheem Sterling. VAR reviews it and they say it's no red card because he actually never made contact with Raheem Sterling, who, by the way, spent the entire game diving on the floor. Uh, It's a wonder he never got a yellow at any point, despite jumping and flopping around, which he's been doing his entire career. Um, So that was a little. I want to say it's a matter that like a few Chelsea players didn't get a yellow early because I mean they were doing like they um, not not I mean I mean early like their midfielders across the whole pitch kept like kicking Madison kept kicking our midfielders they were doing the Pochettino shithousery thing that's what I think changed the game honestly and I think we tried to do our own little dark arts thing and it didn't work Um, but. No, it in, my, in, in my opinion, like I could have seen Caicedo get a yellow card at some point earlier in the match and they didn't. It just felt like, like I, I felt like in the first like 20 minutes, Caicedo had like three or four fouls. And sometimes yeah. it feels like sometimes it yeah. feels like you, if like I, I don't under like it seems like there's no. Well, that was Arsenal's gripe about about yeah. Bruno Gumerish, right? Like, how is yes. he continuing to to have all these ridiculous fouls and nobody's calling anything? Um, so Udogi does not get a red, but he does get a yellow, which comes up later. That becomes important. Three minutes after that is the Caicedo goal that leads to three different VAR reviews. First, the goal is disallowed because, oh no, this is not the Caicedo goal. This is when Sterling scores. Um, they disallow the goal because they say the ball, uh, was controlled by Sterling's hand, but then they review the clearance that led to the goal. What's going on? And that's when Romero gets the red card um for that was the oh, no, no, goal too, no, yeah, yeah this was uh sorry yeah, i'm i'm this is so goal. many this is so many <laughs> so this is when romero kicks out at levi colwell off the ball but he doesn't make contact so there's no red card so the goal gets disallowed romero gets reviewed for a red he doesn't get the red and then seven minutes after that in the 28th minute is the caicedo goal so all of this happened in the first 30 minutes of the game Caicedo scores the goal. They say it's not a goal because Nick Jackson was offside and the ball went through his legs to get to the goal. But then that's when they rewind the tape. They check for the red card, which they do give to Romero. So the Romero challenge for the red card, I thought was... I wasn't expecting him to get red. It seems like I'm in the minority there. Um, But I don't know. if I I understand the whole like recklessness, I guess is is the is the clause that they're using to say that he made contact with the with the offensive players uh, shin area. But if I'm clearing the ball and I go through, I mean, what? How is he supposed to have cleared the ball in that situation that would have resulted in something? Like, how do you kick the ball away from your penalty box without using excessive force? I'm not right. sure exactly what they were expecting from him to do there. And for me, that seems like a harsh red, but I maybe I'm the only one. That, I mean, does that a red card to the rest of you guys? Not to me. I mean, you're, you're he's kicking through the ball. That's what you're supposed to do. Obviously, the screenshot after the fact looks severe, but it's that's sometimes these types of things happen. It was not the most egregious red that I've ever seen us get or anybody get, but it was definitely not a red to me. I don't even honestly like the resulting action of it. I'm sure if they wanted to give a yellow or a penalty, I know that the rules of the game are a little bit different with like a denial of a clear goal scoring opportunity isn't a red and a penalty, but how are you getting punished with a red and giving a penalty for the same act that those that though that's within the rules of the game, it's dumped me. But again, like you said, Joel, he's, he's trying like hell to clear the ball from his own box. You're supposed to just what, like poke a toe at it and then hope it goes off to the side. Like, no, you're coming in full force to try and clear that ball. That's and he got so much ball first, and the uh, it looked like the Chelsea attacker stopped their follow through, or maybe Cuddy's... because Romero got to the ball first, right? Yeah, so it's <laughs> like, and he got there so much faster. 
So that one was, uh, I'm with you on that. The, the first call of the way back, uh, the, the sunny no goal, um, although obviously would have preferred that would have been a goal, but I think that's that's 100% a classic case of you got to let this stand. If you can't see it in 10 seconds, whether it was if the guy was slightly off uh, and you called no goal, like let the call stand as the as they saw it. Um, so although that didn't benefit Spurs, I was happy that it was just like, okay, we're not going to spend 25 minutes just to see that he's a sliver on or a sliver off. Like, let it, let it go. It, it does feel, it, I get the sense that some of the VAR reviews with the over-analysis of every detail of a goal, it almost comes off to me as if they're looking for reasons not to allow goals, which is like the opposite of entertaining. Like, it's like... Well, what about this and what about that? And well, if we zoom in on this thing, is it let's let's rewind the tape another 20 seconds. It's like it's like they're looking for reasons not to let goals count. And I would have been fine with them obviously allowing that goal and then allowing the 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 Casero goal, which if they had, Romero actually wouldn't have got a red card. Like that's the irony of it, right? That I don't even understand how they called that one back. Like clearly there was a, a person offside but he was not involved in the play whatsoever. It clearly wasn't a pass. It clearly, um, he wasn't screening the goalkeeper or in the goalkeeper's way or in anyone else's way that would have stopped that shot. So that was one where I feel like it's like you. Well, let the way that they're the way go. they're explaining it is because Jackson was offside and Caicedo's shot went through his legs that he would have been a hindrance to the goalie in an offside position. So if you're right, offside, that, I, I player, didn't have the volume as loud as I should have been. Thank you for the explanation. Yeah, yeah. That makes more sense. Then, Cause it looked like to me at first, it's like not involved. What, you know, that's let, let it again, doesn't benefits first, but I don't get why they would have turned it over. That makes a lot more sense now. I, I think Romero's red card. I, I think that it, it was a little harsh, but I could obviously, I could see why that would be a red too. Cause I mean, it was, you know, above the ankle, uh, crushing the, like that could break a leg. Um, and I, I understand the, you know, it's a tough ask to to have to have him be that controlled when he is trying to clear a ball. Um, but I also I think that there's a good chance that that red card was somewhat reputational and maybe even a uh, like a, a, a payback for them not red carding him just a few minutes earlier when he kicked out at I can't remember who. Um, but Romero seemed like he was on a mission to get a red card, basically like that. He seemed like he was I, – I don't know what wound him up to that extent. Uh, I think Kimmy was bringing it up that the uh, Chelsea players were kind of getting away with with some uh, shenanigans earlier on, and that seemed to really wind him up. But very disappointing from him, to be honest. Like he's, he's, a, he's a vice captain. Like He needs to be one of the cooler heads prevailing and, and – you know, keeping his teammates calm, not, you know, not, not inflaming the situation even worse. And then, you know, we'll, we'll get to the, you doggy one, but um, again, I mean, he could have had a red in the first half too. I mean, that this game could have finished like eight V eight, you know, seven V seven. Yeah. I mean, to your point, there's that, that there's that Romero kick out um, that was not called anything that could have been a yellow or even a red that was just like, what are you doing, dude? Um, he did seem a little wound up, which is not new for him. I also feel like he's been getting a lot of the benefit of the doubt this season. I was actually making the joke before he got sent off that like it seems like the refs are giving him more leeway ever since he won that World Cup. Um, it seems like he's getting a lot of the benefit, which obviously came to bite me um, like 10 minutes later. But yeah, I don't know what that I don't know if maybe that has something to do with it where he felt like they're not calling these as much anymore. And maybe I can have a little bit more rope to get away with some stuff. Uh, but that obviously I think a lot of out for him. petulance though. He just, he, he lost control of himself. It seemed like. But I would agree on the whole reputational reason as to why he got the red card. Cause I feel like if that was Van de Ven, he probably still, he would have just got a yellow. They would have given the penalty and he would have still been on the pitch. But Romero has put himself in the position that they assume everything he does is with malice. He's only done that to himself. I, can't say that someone's done that for him like he's at the point where he's got to be straight up when he does things or they might consider him being reckless like he has a reputation now for being reckless uh, you would say that like Jaka had the same thing happen to him like there were times mm-hmm. when he probably got some some yellows some reds that were probably oranges or yellows um and that's on the player frankly like I'm 
that was the most disappointing thing to me not so much a dogi because like he's 20 years old like shit happens um he's been towing the lot the line of like yellow orange himself though but, this but, season. but what's he supposed to do with that clearance what like that's what i'm still not understanding is what did he do wrong in that play was unlucky to stand on someone's ankle <laughs> so that's <laughs> like so that's that, i can't like, say i'm disappointed in him for that play anyway i mean but 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 the but i can say i'm disappointed in him because he lost his head before that like it's that's not true it's that's not true. just that he had it coming that, so like, maybe it's like the uh, karma i guess um this is we're still in the first half 37th <laughs> minute um nick jackson goal offside no goal 45 plus seven um there's a potential penalty shout for pedro poro tackling raheem sterling that is not given and then 45 plus 11 there's a review of a reese james red card for raising his arm into udogi's head which i thought was going to be a straight red which was not given anything like he so didn't even get a yellow for that that was what was crazy to me like you just yeah Elbowed I mean, his hand uh, in the head and you didn't even and that's, get a yellow. And that's another thing that I'm thinking watching the game, which is like, okay, we're down a man. This is obviously not good, but we looked so much better than them in the first 15 minutes that if they lose a man, the way this game is going, you got to think somebody else yeah. is going to get sent off. And if it's 10 v 10, then we're going to win. And I was right. Somebody else did get sent off. <laughs> <laughs> when you said that, and it didn't happen that much later to you, you send it in the chat. You're like, someone else is going to get sent off. And I think, like, within, like, 10 minutes, Udogi got sent off. <laughs> Udogi gets sent off in the 54th, uh, so nine minutes into the second half. A really stupid challenge to make on a second yellow. And for me, I mean, you talk about being disappointed. That, to me, was worse than Romero's red because you know you're on a yellow and you're making a challenge that you don't need to make, especially when you know you're playing down a man. Um, so that was that ball was actually like going towards the wing more than coming towards the middle. Like just stay on your feet. It's a tackle you don't play him straight up. Like just play Um, him straight up. He's like he has pace, but so do you. Like trust yourself. But I think that's that's comes from like he's twenty years old. Like people like kids make mistakes, and like I like yes, he's playing in the Premier League. This is the first season in the Premier League. Like I'm not gonna. Like I'm mad. Of course, I'm upset about both of these uh, red cards, but I'm more upset with Romero because that man is like 26. Like, you should be at the point where you're past some of this stuff. Adobe, and again, like, a vice like, captain, right? Like he's supposed to be one of the leaders of the team to calm things down. So yeah, but I I, I agree 100. I I was disappointed the doggy one. Uh, very reckless to do that on a yellow, um, especially when we saw his yellow could have been a red. Um, but yeah, it was. That's where I feel like they let the shithousery just get to them, like because well, Adoki has been on. He's been on. Game too. But Adoki has been on early yellows before. This is not the first yeah. time he's been on an early yellow. Like Adoki has picked up yellows in the fifteenth minute against uh, Liverpool. I think he had one very very early, but he was able to keep his head. I don't know what it was about today that got it, got some of the guys rattled. It just felt. It just felt like. And especially being a goal up and getting rattled like that. That's the thing to me that just was the most disappointing. Mm. Cause I was like, you let do yourselves you, get rattled and you were winning. Do you think it has anything to do with Poch's return? I mean, the only player from Poch's team was son, Steve. right? Uh, the only yeah. one on the pitch. That well, it was, it was Eric Dyer later. Um, yeah. But, but it, it's, but like, yeah, no, why I, were they so riled up? It's funny because I feel like we spent the entire preview talking about Pochettino's return. And by the end of the game, he was, not even a, a talking point. Like <laughs> nobody's even talking about Pochettino the next day because so many other things happened that had nothing to do with, with his coaching more, more conversation about Angie's coaching, which we'll get to in a second, almost done here. A couple more 75th <laughs> minute, another VAR review for a possible offsides on stir on Nick Jackson's first goal. Uh, VAR decision is the goal stands. And then finally the final review was the 78th minute. Uh, Dyer's goal, which was called offside, um, which would have been oh my god, if I just I, I that would have it been just a beautiful, beautiful. I mean, beautiful. it's 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 a it's a spectacular finish. There's really nothing Eric could have done differently because he's offside marginally. If if you're playing in that set piece, you have to make that run, and he was just unlucky. Um, and he played really well defensively too. So I mean, shout out to him. 
But damn, that would have been nice to see him score. And even Rodrigo had a chance late that that would have also been nice to see him to bang one in um, to tie the game. Nick Jackson goes on to score a couple more in stoppage time late in the game when we're playing nine v eleven with that high line uh, to end with probably the least impressive uh, hat trick I've ever seen. Uh, he scores three goals and still somehow underperformed his xG. So uh, it, it's it's a weird game where. Um, what was his XG? I thought Chelsea as a team was like Greek. Oh no, his what XG was, was his... his XG was like three four, three point four, or something like that. Seriously, that's. Crazy. Um, I mean, he is not a player that they are pleased with, and I I think the irony of the game is the team that lost four one, uh, their fan base walked away happier about their team's performance than the team that won by three goals. Uh, because Chelsea fans were watching the same game we were, and they are like, yeah, we suck. Like, this is not an impressive win against a team with nine men. We should have been – we should have scored ten goals, um, especially with that high with line. that high line, yeah. And, we were, and, like, inviting uh, uh, you know, them to come over the top, which they, they tried and tried uh, between some offside traps and then Vicario, uh, Vicario uh, I mean – that dude was great yesterday. I mean, our our, oh, our whole team. That yeah. line was hitting until minute ninety four. Like, yeah. we went like sixty minutes of game time, basically, with two less players. With two less players, and guys are and, and guys are covering almost did equalize like twice, three, three times. times. We almost equalized yeah. three times. Like it... that would have been a really embarrassing draw for them, um, and that draw would have been the stuff of legends if we'd have been able to pull that off and 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 really almost did sunny had a chance to tie the game in like the 87th minute which would have been nuts um i we did get a few questions and and i wanted to get to one of them now uh that we actually got on instagram it, again you know uh we encourage listeners to subscribe and all that all that good stuff that podcasters say um we we've also got uh, Instagram and a Twitter page at Koizara's podcast. Feel free to reach out to us there as well. Um, question from Mark Brown speaks on Instagram. Who's actually my dad. Who's a, a, a despite being a United fan is an avid listener of the pod. Um, and he asked about the Ange strategy, which is, you know, should Ange have changed his high line strategy? And if so, could Spurs have rescued a point? Um, Jesse, what are your thoughts on the strategy to continue pushing forward despite being two men down uh, i mean at this point in the um in the book of Ange, i'm just reading like yeah we are who we are i don't care i don't care if we've got two arms tied behind our back and we're you know down to our kneecaps are broken we are who we are we're going to keep pushing forward and do it like that that part i mean it's the first loss i feel great about it um, you know, practically, again, this is also, you know, in a one game scenario, um, you know, once you're down two minutes, very likely you're going to lose anyway. So although the keeping the streak alive would have been neat to to have another draw, like you're very, very likely to lose one point is only one more point than zero points. So might as well, like, see what happens and go for it. I, I saw the stat that you guys, I think, shared in the chat about, like, in that 20 minutes between the second yellow and the um go ahead goal on the third goal Spurs were winning a bunch of free kicks having more shots on goal all of that stuff more touches in the opponent's box etc so yeah like let's keep pushing it at that point it's it's not like we were up you know probably would have been more difficult to see if we were up to one and then down nine men when we should like maybe let's say be a little more conservative but like and who he is he does what he says in the tin and his tin says freaking go play football and attack so you know whether you got uh, eleven no, the eleven or down there. Do it. No, not I, I get it. It's come on, I gotta wait. Got to once, once and that. But yeah, I mean, I, th- this goes back to the age-old question that that Spurs fans often ask ourselves over the ten years of of Mourinho and Conte, which is not you know, ten would years. You, no, ten year, ten year. Not <laughs> oh, ten years. I was like ten and, years. I was yeah, like, it, it felt it like ten years. It might have felt like ten years. Last <laughs> season alone felt like ten years. Um, but the question of like, would you rather? lose trying to win or draw trying not to lose right and and that and i think that played itself out exactly last night um we lost trying to win whereas we could have sat back tried to swallow the 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 box with uh throwing a bunch of guys behind the ball and maybe we would have walked away with a 1-1 draw 
Um, I, I mean, it's hard to say that I, I we would have been it, disappointed with that. But you think about even when we played Liverpool and they were down nine, they basically did that, right? Like, we're going to give you guys the ball and we're going to force you to try to beat us. And they almost got away with it. We scored literally in the dying seconds of the game to beat them. And, and it was off of an own goal. So if you employ that same strategy, you're probably not going to lose 4-1. Um, you might lose the game anyway. I don't know. Um, I, I'm not upset. I don't I, think any of the Spurs fans are upset with the way that we lost. Uh, if we had gone about it the, the other way and drew the game, I don't know if anybody would be upset with that either, uh, despite the fact that it would have been definitely against the philosophy. I I loved it. <laughs> I was so glad that, that that was the approach we were taking. I know it was, it was risky, obviously, um, but like I said other than the 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 van event injury, which is pretty devastating, I think there's a lot of positives to take from the game. Um, and I I think that we it really showed a lot of you know resilience with nine men that outplaying them for large portions of the second half. I mean, it was it's pretty crazy to watch. Like I think I sent a a, a text in our group about. Um, that was more attacking 90 11 than we've seen over the last like three years between Mourinho and Conte. <laughs> it's really true. It really is true. And you know, I'm seeing a lot of stuff saying that like it was very, very naive. But I think when you truly look at who was on the pitch, if you, I mean, like Vicario showed that he can truly be a sleeper keeper. If you need him to, he can be a sleeper keeper. And I think Ange knew that, obviously. He's been coaching this guy for a couple months now. He knows how good he is coming off his line he knows how good he is coming out the box and I'm sorry I don't want to see Eric Dyer on his six yard box anymore I also don't want to see him in a high line but I think I was more happy to see him trying to play football than to sit on his box like I just don't we didn't even have our best defenders in there I don't think we're gonna keep out any goals anyways I think like Chelsea probably would have scored one or two more they might not have gotten four obviously but I think they would have scored again, like having the ball that much. And that's what happens when you're that far back. You kick the ball out, they recycle it, they come again. Chelsea would have come again and come again and come again and come again. And with Cole Palmer and Raheem Sterling and Mudrick on the pitch, I think they would have eventually found at least one more goal. So I think we probably would have lost that game no matter what. But we gave ourselves a chance up until minute like 93 to be in the game. I don't think that happens if we don't play that high line we that offsides trap was so good for literally 60 minutes almost like how many times were they actually offsides they kept trying to hit that ball hit that ball hit that ball they finally eventually got it right but you could see us turning the ball over in midfield you could see us trying to get in our own box like we would not have had three chances at goal those free kicks would not have been as close to our goal to cause problems if we weren't that high. So like Ange did a job of shrinking the pitch where he wanted to, as opposed to on his own box. He gave himself, he gave the team an opportunity to shrink the, the pitch where we could actually make stuff happen than to do it in his own box. Like, yeah, Sonny has the pace, but eventually by the time we got to minute 90, those guys would have been dead. Right. And we had made most of our changes in the first half because of the red cards and because of the two injuries. Like we only had one more window to make changes. So he did what he thought was best. And I can't be mad at that. Like I can't be upset about that. And I also can't be upset about any of the guys who were on the pitch after the two guys went off. Like the work that they put in, how hard they ran, how brave they were with the ball, trying to play. Pedro Porro was amazing. Upset. I can't be upset about any of that. I Like I really feel like they, and that's what to me, Ange has at times in his other jobs have said like after bad results like us just deciding to play our game has just made us more I think that game alone like yes we lost the one but I think it galvanized the team to say we're always going to attack and they know we're always going to attack we're always going to attack we're always going to attack that just gives the team more confidence when they do get those two players back on the pitch to say we could attack Chelsea with nine men what can we do to other teams with our 11 well, you're you're actually teeing up the next question we got uh, pretty well because I think you just you just answered it. So I'm going to direct this question <laughs> to Ben. 
this is coming from the real Shuban uh, at the real Shuban, who's a, a friend of the pod who often uh, responds and leaves comments. And he asks, given that we were still in the match without Mickey, without Cootie, without Madison, it probably took destiny getting sent off for the match to finally go in Chelsea's favor. Are you actually believing in Ange Ball more now? Uh, yeah, <laughs> I think I mean, <laughs> I mean, like I said, I was I, I I couldn't believe that we were. I mean, it looked like we were almost playing a higher line with nine men and with Dyer and 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 Hoybier and Ember. Like our our back four was completely back restructured. <laughs> yeah, and I mean, with the, yeah, our backup right back playing left back. Uh, our you know. Dyer, everybody thought it was going to be gone this summer, and everyone but Eric Dyer would never have believed that he would play that high of a line. I know that he's, you know, not the most pacey. I'm trying to wasn't there. There was a play some sometime towards the end of the game where Hoybier outran Sterling. <laughs> I mean, it was it was he he was impressive. There were like I think Kim, you said this like everybody on the the, the field towards the end of that pitch was extremely impressive. Vicario and Poro, I think, were probably the two standouts. I mean, yeah. Poro was everywhere defensively, and then he was the one taking those those free kicks, and like every single one of those looked dangerous. Uh, you know, Dyer almost got the one, Benton Core uh, almost got another, um, and and yeah, be, because we were playing that high up the pitch, it not only seemed to kind of confuse Chelsea that we were like being this audacious with ninety eleven, but also that's what made it so that when we were able to turn the ball over, you know we don't have to sprint the length of the field. We're closer to the goal. It's that simple. You know, we, we could win the ball and get one through ball and then you have a chance. And and that's what happened with that sunny chance that, you know, was fingertips wide, but um, yeah, I mean that, and then just because I feel like nobody talked about this all that much, but also Vicario almost saved that penalty. I mean, that was like, oh. there, again, there, there were, there were a bunch of things that were like a millimeter and that was one of them. Sonny's, Almost goal at the end, the offside call against Sonny. I mean, the offside this, call against Dyer. Yeah, I mean, th- th- this game was just like. Because I think what they were reviewing on that bar, I, I think what they were looking at with the Dyer, I mean, he was clearly offside, but I think what they were reviewing was whether was the ball went off of the Chelsea, Chelsea player, play. which would have negated the offside. Um, and so that's when they somebody, kept zooming in to see if the ball went off of Chelsea versus off of Spurs. When I think somebody sent out a picture today that showed pretty conclusively that it did come off a Chelsea head too, like well, it went Bentoncourt to a Chelsea head. I don't, I don't know what the the ruling. That also, that, that also been, means but... they reviewed it for four minutes for nothing. So who, yeah. who knows? Jesse, is there a goalie in the Premier League that's better than Vicario? I mean, not right now. Uh, the shot stopping is just incredible. Um, I mean, he's been he's been on it. That, that that's a really just a really really well taken penalty. Um, cause the, you know, hard and low is, is where you want to go, but not, not too low. I mean, so it was impressive that Vicario even got a fist to it, but the pace that ball had on it, you know, not much he could, he could do, uh, you know, a lot of times the game is a, a game of millimeters and some of those millimeters have gone towards Spurs thus far. Uh, we knew in our hearts that it wasn't going to continue for another 27 games. Um, so things luck started to go, go against us, um, here a bit. And that's tough, but like, in times that are tough like that, it's nice to zoom out and be like, look at our preseason predictions. We all thought fifth, sixth, seventh, and then here we were, best team in the league for a quarter of the season. That's pretty cool. Obviously, it's looking difficult uh, now in the future, but you know when it also looked difficult? Before this season, we had a manager here for like two months, and we just sold our uh, club's best player and still a top top player and, and distributor in the world and it didn't look great. Nobody was that optimistic yet. We're here. So it looks dark again, but Ange has only been making deposits in the trust bank with me. And so it looked dark before Ange got us to, to top of the league after 10 games. It looks dark. Now we're not top of the league anymore, but maybe Ange has some extra things up his sleeve. He hasn't unleashed the geo yet. Heel is just getting here. All summer we heard about geos back. Lo Spurs want to keep him. Maybe we uncork the geo and see how it's been aging over the last couple of months, you know, on loans and on the bench. Like a like a bottle of the finest wine. Yeah. Little Argentine Malbec just we, sitting on the get, bench. You have, that, you have that Lo Celso 2023 back there. Is yeah. that a 
Is that ready for us? Can we uncork that and just put a pour a little in my glass and see what's going to happen? I thought after Madison got sent off before the half that we'd see a halftime sub because at that point we'd already used up three subs in two windows. We only had two subs left with one window to make it. And so I, th I thought maybe we don't have any distributors or creators on the pitch. We're going to see either Gio or maybe even Benton Kerr come on. He decided not to make a halftime sub. Um, and it kind of ended up playing itself out anyway. We did see Benton Kerr later. I do wonder as we look ahead, you know, what – well, I mean, we, we might as well start talking about that now because we've got another game this week, Wolves on Saturday morning, 7.30 a.m. Eastern time, 6.30 a.m. Central time, and local time, I think it's 12.30. Well, before I get there, I, I I didn't mean to interrupt the uh, Jesse's positivity corner. Looking at the table, obviously, we're no longer in first, but we're only off first by a point. The biggest blow is really the fact that, you know, we gave up three goals on the on the on the good old GD. But we're well, still Vandevin, to me is still the biggest blow. Well, yes, I meant to the table. <laughs> That's obviously yeah. Van Defense. Fair enough. Blow. Fair enough. Um, but the fact that. Liverpool, Arsenal, Villa all dropped points means that we they didn't really gain any ground on us. And, you know, to the point of City, the, the league is theirs to lose. I think for us coming into the season, just kind of wanting to see something nice. The start that we've had has been way better than anybody expected. And for me, the only expectation that's changed is that now I really feel like we should push for top four. We're still in the position to do that. With the new rules being made to Champions League, we might even only need to finish fifth. So it's not all gloom and doom from a standings perspective. Now, to Ben's point, to our actual squad uh, is, is a little bit more doom and gloom at the moment. Luckily, right after our Wolves match, um, we will have a two-week break. So that might be an opportunity for some guys to get healthy. But looking at who we know will not be playing, um, that Van de Ven injury, we're still waiting to hear back from in terms of how long he's going to be out, but he certainly will not be playing on Saturday. Romero's going to be out with a straight red. That's three games, which means he's going to miss Wolves, Villa, and Man City away, which really hurts. So you've got your two starting center backs unavailable for at least the next three games. You've got a potential injury to James Madison, which got him pulled shortly before halftime. No telling how long that's going to be, but potential for him not to be playing on Saturday either. And then Udogi gets a second yellow, which I believe is a one-match ban. Um, so he's not going to be playing Saturday either. So even assuming that some of these guys are able to play after the break when we go back to uh, play Villa, um, many of them, all four of them, will probably uh, not be available for Saturday's game. This is a team that's losing, that's without their best player, who's also injured. So that could be good for us in terms of this game specifically. Um, Wolves are coming off of a really bad loss to a Sheffield United team that had not won a game prior to uh, this this game against Wolves. Uh, so they actually gave Sheffield their first win of the season with a disappointing 2-1 loss prior to that. They drew 2-2 with Newcastle and beat Bournemouth. So yeah, this is a team that's not really in great form. They're they're picking up points here and there. Um, he Chi Huang is probably their best uh, player right now. He, he Chan Huang. Um, but I don't know. What are we expecting from this Wolves game? Not only considering the opponent, but also considering uh, the multiple blows to our squad going into the match. Wolves is the non-top six game that gives me the most uh, nervousness. I just feel like we're always in a battle with them. I still have nightmares about just a just a dripping wet uh, Dama Traore just sprinting right at our back line when it was at its shakiest and just just coming down the wing and just not, not having anybody in North London that remotely would stop him. Um, they've always had a a, a a team that's capable of of winning um, big games, and they just they worry me. I, don't, I haven't seen them as much this year, and they've they've fallen off a little bit from taking down top teams. But just kind of looking at our last results, like it's um, we had a, a three game win streak from twenty one and twenty one, but they just worry me. Um, 
Spurs have not done the double over Wolves. I'm looking at, I'm trying to find the last time we did. And I actually, I'm now at the 2018-2019 season and, and still the results were split. Um, so yeah, yeah that's, I, that's when Wolves came up was 2018. Yeah, well, there you go. So, uh, so yeah, a while. we have not, we have not done the double over Wolves since they've joined, rejoined the, the Premier League. It seems that we always split these games. Um, for every win that we get, they end up stealing one. Um, I remember attending one of these games, uh, the March March first, twenty twenty. I think Nuno was our uh, no no Jose was our coach at the time. They had Nuno, and uh, we had a two one lead at halftime, and Wolves ended up beating us three two, due to our lack of tactical fouls on the break because they were playing counter football and we let them, and we lost that game. So yeah, uh, this is a game that this is a team like like you said that we we typically have trouble with. With that in mind, what is your prediction? Uh, one zero Spurs. I don't know how uh, a non Van de Ven Romero <laughs> line keeps Wolves out, but um, I love that analysis. I don't know how back to back to basics. I mean, this you is know, why also, the listeners come here. Yeah, Wolves maybe <laughs> not you know knocking on the door enough um, uh, offensively. So um, yeah, I, I don't know how it gets done, but. You know, uh, a, a, a kind of boring game with like a Spurs winner in like the seventy third um, is my my prediction. Probably Sunny. Well, yeah, because Kim, who do we start now? I guess that's the other question about this game. Is like who who are you starting if you're missing oh, four of quick, your starters? Real quick, because we didn't even talk about this, but how about Richarlison? Uh, apparently. Uh, oh, right, to yeah. Pelvic surgery. That's, right, that's, right that's another player that's not going to be there. Yeah, yeah. Just know I'm wise, taking notes. If anybody who said we don't miss Richarlison, he's not good. You can't say we're going to miss him now. If you've been dogging him all year, I'll be taking notes of everybody. <laughs> well, to be fair, he didn't get a run out yesterday, and I don't think anybody even noticed. But we also, you know, Brennan was sacrificed after that first red, so we knew he wasn't coming on. Yeah, I would say. You know, it is tough. Like, I, which way is Ange going to go? Is he going to go? Well, I, I think to di- like, I think it showed that Dyer probably is going to play. Um, He was the first guy to come on when uh, Romero went off. So I would assume that he'll probably start Eric Dyer. Um, other center backs, we have youth after Eric Dyer. So is it going to be? Um, Ashley Phillips, or is it going to be Dorrington, Alfie Dorrington from the? Well, how about Hoiberg? Hoiberg is a is definitely a possibility. I feel like he has the, I feel like he can play center back. I haven't seen him do it much, but he did it to decent effect. But when you pair Dyer and um, Hoiberg together, you sort of lose a bit of pace on the break and a bit that high line. Try to be nice. <laughs> <laughs> a bit uh, playing, of that, playing that high line i i'm just not sure so like Ange has some work to do he's gonna have to coach people are gonna have to probably play in positions and do things that they haven't done but to and me we're probably gonna see emerson on that left side because ben davis is yeah i would assume emerson starts on the left as well on at, at, uh left back so um what do we do madison, in the middle I, I feel like madison probably came off because and didn't want to get any more hurt. I don't know if Madison. I have a feeling Madison's going to start. I don't know why, but I have a feeling he's going to play. Um, he did look a little surprised when his number when his number went up. He was looking at the sideline like me. I <laughs> so I don't like think he, he was came, expecting to come on. I feel like he came off more because Ange wanted to make sure he had that ability to make changes one more time and not have to do it for an injury. I think that was part of it. So when Van de Ven came off, Madison came off at the same time. And I think he was just like, well, I'm making changes right now. And it's before halftime. So I don't get any more chances to make changes except for one more time. Freaking galaxy so brain came over I can't here. like, I can't, I mean, I thought that in the moment. I can't, uh, wow. wait, I can't leave Madison on the pitch if I'm going to have to take him off in five more minutes. Like if he can't continue and I have to take yeah, him off. Yeah. That's because Jesse didn't have the volume up loud enough again though. <laughs> the announcer said, said that. Uh, yeah, I was thinking I mean, the same I thing. I didn't hear the I didn't hear the announcer say it honestly because <laughs> I, I that was a that was one of the sometimes as soon as Vandevin got hurt, I said this to you guys earlier. I checked out like I, everyone who's been listening to this podcast know, for the whole season depressing. knows that's my guy. I've been talking about him every game for this whole season and the moment i saw him pull up 
I was distraught, honestly. <laughs> I was like, because it it looked so bad. Like, I mean, non-contact he, and you're grabbing the, your hammy. That's never good. I mean, like, you know, he probably like pulled something. But the fact that he could not like walk off with his like on his own power made me feel like it was worse. Well, I will say we saw Neto fall down with a hammy. They have to put him on a stretcher. And he's talking about he's going to be af- back after the international break. So honestly, I'm not going to get like, I'm not going to worry too much about that until we actually hear from the medical staff. Like once the swelling goes down, just how bad that injury actually was. And hopefully we'll know. I mean, we'll know by the time we play Wolves, but, um, but yeah. It's supposed to get a scan in the next 24 hours. Yeah. About the team. So like I could see Madison playing. And if we played Madison, we probably play the same midfield that we play all the time. And attacking wise, we play Skulusevsky son and, um, and Brennan Johnson. I really feel like we're, I'm not I'm not too sure about who plays at center back and if Madison starts. But I feel like other than that, the team kind of picks itself at this point. And your and your yeah, prediction no, I, is? And my prediction uh, is 2-1. Or 1-2. One, 1-2. Two, one, two, because we're away. There we go. All right. Um, yeah. No, I mean, I, I feel the same way. That was a – I was – Pretty devastated by the Van Event injury. <laughs> I know I've brought it up like six times already, but that was like the by far to me the 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 most disappointing or saddest part of uh the match. Um uh it looked like maybe poor. I wonder if they're if if, if uh Pustacaglu is gonna go more lopsided in terms of like it looked like Poro was kind of the the it was a combination of Poro getting back a lot and um Picario you know, stepping up a lot more to try to cover that space in behind the, the back four that normally Van Event has been covering. Um, so, I, yeah, I'm curious to see how that goes. I think, uh, to me, it makes the most sense probably to have Hoybier and Dyer play, but I would definitely be interested in seeing one of the younger guys come in because, um, you know, Postacoglu so far, he's got a very good track record with bringing people into the fold. Um but I was I was pretty impressed with uh, with with Hoybier and I was surprised with Dyer to be honest. Also impressed, but more so surprised. Um, and yeah, I mean, so is Sessnion? Do we? Is there any idea on like how long he's out still? Who? Man, <laughs> Who's he was that? my Man. breakout player of the year That's a deep last cut. year, and I forgot <laughs> he exists for a little while. Yeah, I mean, I I haven't heard much at all about him um so i highly doubt he's anywhere near game shape at the very least um trying to even i actually didn't hear the name so who did you say sesnion oh no he's he's still injured he's still on the injured list yeah yeah we actually have like a lot of injuries like it it, the list is like getting longer and longer like i look at like our injuries and compared to wolves and it's like yeah it's starting to starting to creep up I mean, this is what we talked about, right? Like, we talked about the fact that our performance was impressive, but also very contingent on the fact that our starting 11 has starting been healthy. 11. And yeah. and now it feels like the entire starting 11 got hurt in one game. So, like... Or suspended. <laughs> like, we're, we're going to have to see how it plays out. Um, I mean, this may be a hot take, but for me, I, I actually want to see Ash Phillips get chucked in there. I feel like... When we signed him this summer, he obviously was not someone who's going to be a straightaway starter. He's obviously young, but I feel like this is the exact circumstances situation why you make that backup purchase. Both of your center backs are unavailable. You don't have cover in that position other than Eric Dyer. You got more injuries on the left side with Ben Davis. Why, like, what other type of circumstance would you buy this player for unless we don't have any center backs and we need to have somebody on the roster who can play that position? We bought him specifically for that. One for the future, I think, really. But I take your point. I think that one thing Sure, but but my thing is, like, you could have bought any position. You bought a center back because you knew you were thin there. So if you're going to invest in somebody specifically so that you have cover for a, a role that's thin, well, now we're thin. Like, and it's, it's we're not playing world beaters. Exactly. <laughs> Dabs and Galatasaray uh, falling on his face still. So, <laughs> for, I mean, for me, 
Like, give the Classic guy a run. Cameron Carter Vickers still on if, loan? Somewhere? If he sticks it up. Oh, man. Celtic just got worked yes. by Atletico. Yeah, Celtic, has, they, they, have no, they have no business being in the Champions League. But back to Phillips. <laughs> I feel like if he goes out there and has a complete stinker, then at least we know what we have on our hands. But, I mean, I think back to, like, the whole Jed Spence thing where it's like, he was just kind of sitting there. We didn't really give him a run out. We we didn't really know what we had, and it just created more tension and angst. I don't think that Angie's relationship is not with the fans is not anywhere close to Conte's. That's not the point I'm trying to make. But if you have a player who plays a position that you need players for, like what are you saving him for? Like he's not gonna play for another two years, then. He shouldn't even be training with the first. Like, I, I just feel like this yeah, is yeah, an opportunity for us. And we're playing a team that's really not a super big threat. They're 14th in the league. They're pretty much in the middle of the league on every statistical category. So they are, like, the definition of mid. Like, this is who we're playing. So if you're not going to play him against Wolves, then you're probably not going to play him against anybody. And I, I don't know that it's going to happen, but I, I would like to see him get a, a, a run out. So that's my, my rant is over. No, I do uh, love a good a... debut I from a new <laughs> signing just out of nowhere. They We've had so much success. Remember there was that run where like we had four or five signings that had scored in, in their debut or, or second game, like including one of them was, uh, um, I don't know. I forget. It's like going back to Danny Rose. Or Danny Rose. No, Steven, Steven Bergwijn. Yeah, it was like a. It was in that Bergwijn was towards the end of it, but there was even that one dude who scored one that was just like this guy never scores them. Not Janssen. Right? No, was it uh, no, Harry not Winks? That. I'll look it up. I'll come back to it while you guys while we while we go keep going. Well, I'm gonna. I mean, I don't know if Ben gave us his prediction yet. Actually, no. Yeah, I don't mean to cut the line. No, no, you're fine. I think I am. Just because, yeah, it's a limbo. I think I'm gonna go with with Kimmy's same prediction and go two one. Um, oh, and just to mention, also we do have. I'm trying to remember his name now. What is it? Uh, we have another center back that's pretty highly regarded. Is it Dorrington? Like, yeah, I know Alf- that, Alfie Dorrington. Yeah, so I mean, there, there's an option there too, and and I think uh, to Jesse's point earlier is that Ange has built up a lot of trust with with supporters. Um, not to, to say that people won't criticize him either way, but um, I just have a lot of faith that he'll make a a very well-reasoned decision on wh- whoever he ends up using. I, I feel like it's it's not like Conte where he seems to be uh, somewhere torn between too habitual or too spiteful. <laughs> you know, Ange seems to do things with a much more purpose. So I, I just, I have faith that he will um, will make a good decision there. So... I, uh, yeah, I mean, I'm, we'll see what happens. The one other thing I would just say also is maybe the one silver lining from our woes right now at central defense is that you would think this would spur Levy more than anything, pun intended there, but um, to get a new center back in January, like a, 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 you know, first choice uh, caliber center back. So that's the hope. Well, I'm, I'm stuck between two minds because uh, on the one hand, you know, I I do feel like we'll get a couple goals just based on our offensive threat alone. I feel like we'll be able to maintain possession. Um, I mean, even the amount of possession that we were able to maintain on Monday with nine men was pretty impressive. And so I feel like when we're back to 11, we'll, we'll be back to winning the possession battle as we have done. Uh, for the rest of this season thus far. Um, on the, I, I'm a little hesitant to give us the clean sheet shout just because I think without our two superstar center backs, um, we're probably a little bit vulnerable for that ball over the top, which we saw Chelsea try over and over again, and then they finally broke through when when guys were on their last legs. Um if it's going to be dire, I mean, I think that's another reason why I, I'm interested in seeing Phillips, because I think if you're playing Dyer and Hoypier in the middle, um, neither of those guys are fast. And you're you're almost asking Wolves to score at least one goal if you're doing that. If Phillips is a quicker player who can make up some of the grounds 
obviously he's not going to be Mickey Vandeven, but that might support Dyer so he's not just out there with another slow guy. You know what? I'm just going to go out on a leap of faith. I'm going to say 2-0. You know what? Let's see. If we can uh, maintain enough possession, maybe we'll be able to keep that clean sheet. They're going to get some shots at the goal, but I'm pretty sure we can agree that we have the best goalie in the Premier League now. So, you know what? Uh, Trust in Big Vic, and he'll hold us down until our center backs come back. That's what I'm going to go with. I don't know. Based on your uh, pick last week, I don't know how much I like this optimistic Joel. <laughs> yeah, I mean Stay he's been lane, fairly but... optimistic this whole season. And, you know, they have bleak. to they have to grind me back down. I'm I'm still not I'm still not back to my normal again? self yet. Yeah, I'm I'm still not back to my normal self yet. Um, if you know, ask me again how how we are by the time we we play Newcastle on the tenth. Um, we can come back at the end of that game and 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 on that episode if I'm still giving optimistic picks. But the the season's gone too that well for good, me. To, that, that that would mean we'd be doing well if you're giving. That would mean that we're doing season. amazing because yeah. that that's after we play Fingers Villa, followed Jones. by City, City, followed by Newcastle. Hot so, taste. Um, and yeah, I mean, you know, the the season's been going too well for me to predict losses. The only the only game, ironically, that I did predict that we'd lose was the Fulham game, which we did end up losing. So, um. As as for right now, I think I'm going to continue to to predict wins until uh, proven otherwise. But I think Ange Ball and who's should wish be casting now, huh? Hey, I mean, trust in Ange. Well, he's shown us it's not a wish trust cast if we, if if we have evidence. You got yeah. big Ange, yeah. I mean, I, I trust I trust his system to be able to handle Wolves away. So you know, yeah. it, they're going to have to prove me wrong at this point. Um, anything else before we before we wrap up? I can't find the stat. I can't find the player that I'm thinking of. I thought it was Jensen Fernandez for a second, but then he's never scored. <laughs> but there was someone bizarre that scored. Like it was, cut. I, yeah, I sent Jensen you Fernandez. Yeah, I just I, I just um, looked at the list that, that Kim sent. Which, I don't which remember has, him. I don't remember him scoring for Spurs ever. No, he didn't. Yeah, it has Dyer, oh, uh, right, well, yeah. and Stevie on it. Yeah, there was one more. Yeah. I thought it may it may have not been a goal. It may, it may have been like an early goal. It may have been something of like his second substitute I mean, appearance it might or have been Dembele first start because... or something like that, that I'm thinking of. That was like just somebody even more random that was just like, who is this? So maybe, maybe by episode 63 or something like that, I'll figure it out. But <laughs> until then, come on, you Spurs. Wait, which episode are we on again? 57? 57. So I've given myself a little time here. We have to wait like six to eight weeks for uh... <laughs> <laughs> long enough that you guys will forget if I don't find it. Shipping uh, he's rules here. He's waiting for he's waiting for Mickey to come back. Yeah. Got it. If he's if he's only out for oh, six to eight weeks, so. yeah, seriously. Yeah. Oh boy. Yeah. Um I think Jesse said though, uh yeah, come on you Spurs. Come on come you Spurs. On, Spurs. <laughs>